the subject of deliverance is often misunderstood. I think we know about it and we understand it to a certain level or on a certain degree, we understand um, deliverance, but there is, uh, but there's a lot more to it. Um, for those of you who have your Bibles tonight, we're gonna look at two sets of scriptures. I'm gonna start in Galatians and then I'm gonna make our way to uh, Matthew. Start with Galatians chapter one. I want you to look at verses three and four. Galatians chapter one, verses three and four, read this way, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, amen, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, amen. Now I want you to take your, your Bible and I want you to head on uh, backwards towards Matthew. I want you to look at chapter nine and we're gonna look at verses 10 uh, through 13, okay? Matthew 9, 10 through 13, the Bible reads as follows. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, when we talk about um, the deliverance, the first thing that we have to understand um, is, is that deliverance will not take place, cannot take place, if you are of the impression that you have nothing to be delivered from. That's pretty much a cornerstone. You can't be delivered from something or from an issue that you don't think you have. You cannot be delivered from a problem, from a circumstance that you don't think you have. If you, if you are not convinced that there is an issue or something that needs to be changed, something about you that needs to be worked on, if you are not a believer, then there absolutely is no need to look for the, uh, the signs of deliverance from whatever it is to take place. This is why I brought in um, that second set of scriptures in Matthew chapter nine, verse 10, because uh, verses uh, 10 through 13, here you have Jesus in this particular text and, and, and make no mistake about it. This text is very much talking about deliverance, but it's talking about it from the standpoint of really of why, um, individuals, some individuals are not delivered, okay? Because some individuals simply don't think they have anything to be delivered from. And I want to say this as we move into this uh, topic and as we go further with this, is that everybody, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short. And that means that we all got problems, whether we want to own those problems or not, whether we want, we may want everybody to believe that we don't have problems. And maybe we actually got a full, got a, you know, a plan to, to convince everybody that we have no problems and that everything is okay and all of this and all of that. But brothers and sisters, the longer we put off owning up, facing up, squaring up, with the reality that we all got issues that we need the Lord to deliver us from. The longer you put off looking that thing square in the eye, taking the bull head on by the horns, that problem's gonna remain. There's not gonna be anything that, the, that, that, that God can do for you. Because before God does something for us, it requires not only repentance, but repentance itself requires a brokenness. And that brokenness does not come unless one is, 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 uh, um, um, is willing to accept the reality that, hey, guess what, I'm in trouble and I need, some, I, I need some help. Now, deliverance itself, the actual word, when we actually define this word deliverance, okay, it, it, the, the, the word deliverance is, is a noun. And, the act of, and it's the act of delivering someone 
or something, okay? The state of being delivered, okay? Some words that kind of fall into that are words of like liberation and, and, <clears throat> and rescue, something um, uh, and, or something that is, uh, that you can deliver physically, okay? The biblical deliverance encompasses um, um, a lot of, uh, can, can encompass a lot of things, okay? But, but to be specific for tonight, biblical deliverance encompasses rescue or redemption, okay? Rescue or redemption and, but it doesn't stop there. Not only does biblical deliverance cover rescue and redemption, but it also covers the agents of such rescue. So what are we talking about? So when the Bible teaches <clears throat> about deliverance, it doesn't just teach about deliverance for the sake of deliverance. No, it actually covers the entire spectrum. So it's going to teach you about rescuing or being rescued. It's going to teach you about redemption, which is or being bought back, okay? But it's also going to teach you about the means by which that rescue, okay, or that deliverance or that, or that redemption comes. So he does not talk about when the Bible deals with deliverance. It does not talk about deliverance. Um, it doesn't really get into deliverance or deal with deliverance absent or void or of the deliverer. So when the Bible deals with the concept of deliverance, it's going to also deal with the deliverer or the agent by which God uses in order to bring about that deliverance. Okay. And that's an important thing to know. It's one of the first things that those of you who are taking notes, please make sure that you are taking that down. That's quintessential. You got to understand that. And there's a reason why you need to understand that what the way the Bible deals with a subject. Why? So that you are able to try the spirits by the spirit, whether they are of God. So when you get somebody coming and teaching and they come from a different perspective or they leave out an aspect of it, you got to, you be, you, that, that's really when you want to perk your ears up. Why? Because what you're getting ready to get might not be the full picture or it might not be according to what the Bible is teaching. When God deals with deliverance, he never deals with it with deliverance for the sake of deliverance alone. In other words, he does not leave, the Bible does not leave deliverance open-ended as if you can plug and play, put in anything that you want or anything that you find in your life and in the world or in somebody else and you can use that as the method or the mode of deliverance. Uh-uh. No, the Bible is the God wants to God makes it very plain through the scripture through the studying of deliverance that that not, that not only is it available, glory to God. Not only is it ready for you. Amen. But there is a specific way or avenue by which you get that deliverance. And what I love about it is that it applies to absolutely everything. Doesn't matter what the situation is, it applies to, to it all. Now, the theme of deliverance is seeded throughout scripture. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. No matter where you go, you're gonna be able to find the, the, this, the theme of, of deliverance running throughout the scripture. And this is important to know why, because repetition, Amen. Repetition in scripture or things being done repeatedly is always a sign of importance. I'm going to say that again. Repetition in scripture, when God does a thing more than once, okay, uh, when repetition is seen in scripture, it is always a sign of importance as it usually indicates the establishment of something. Turn to Genesis chapter 41. Look at verse 32. Amen. Genesis 41, 32 says this, and for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. Talking about the dream that came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh had this dream twice, and now this dream is being interpreted. He says, and for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Amen. Look at Deuteronomy 19.15, okay? Deuteronomy 19 and 15. And then the Bible also um, gives us something there that we, can, uh, that we can chew on. The Bible says, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin. In any sin that he sinneth, at the mouth of two witnesses 
or at the mouth of three witnesses, amen, shall the matter be established. Look at Matthew 18, 16. Look how God is establishing. And I want you to look at the pattern. Notice I just used more than one scripture. Why is it more than one scripture? Because it's established. We, we're literally doing the very thing that the Bible is talking about. You, I, I'm giving you multiple scriptures so that you have a witness for what I'm saying from more than one voice. Matthew 18, 16 says, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Jesus talking and validating what we just read in Deuteronomy. And then when we go back to Genesis, amen, 41, 32, he tells you that it's the dream was double to Pharaoh. Why? Because the thing was established. Brothers and sisters, don't move too fast through the scripture and miss when the, the repetition of the things that God God is doing. Because when God starts to do a thing, okay, and especially when you see it more than once, then something is being established. That means you want to sit up, you want to pay attention, and you don't want to miss that lesson. Amen. Deliverance is talked about throughout scripture. And because of that, throughout from the old to the new, the teaching or what God has for us in dealing with deliverance is established, okay? God has a plan, God has some, God's got a method. God knows how to deliver and God has a plan for deliverance. Now, deliverance in scripture has a variety of meanings, okay? But we generally see two major meanings, okay? Or it usually kind of falls into two major buckets or categories, um, at least in the Old Testament. I'm gonna take the Old Testament uh, first. The first is in the natural sense, okay? Signifying um, to deliver over, okay? Or to give over into one's possession or in the power of another. So when we talk about that, the Hebrew word is natan in this, okay? This particular word's used about, it's probably give or take about, almost about 1,200, maybe a little bit more, uh, could be a little bit less uh, times in the Old Testament, that word natan, which um, that has that meaning to deliver over, okay? And sometimes the term refers to the giving of objects. So you'll see this word or that usage of the word in a, in a, in, in a couple places. In Second Chronicles, you don't need to turn to this, um, but if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and, and take that down. Second Chronicles 34 and 15, um, you see that word used in respect to books being given over. In 2 Kings 12 and 15, you see that same wording used, but they're talking, but in this case, m money is being referenced. So money is being given over to someone. In 2 Kings uh, 18, 23, horses are the object or the thing that's being given over. And then in Esther 6 and 9, um, we see goods or resources. Amen also being get, given over. So the words, it's got two flavors, right? And the first one is in the natural sense. And when we use it, when we talk about deliverance in the natural sense, it's literally giving something over to someone else, okay? Or, or handing something over. The second usage though of deliverance refers to the acts of God, whereby he rescues his people from danger, amen. The, 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 and there, and there are, there are several words that, that the Bible uses. There's nasal, which means to draw out or to snatch away. There's pelat, which means to uh, make an escape. There's melat, which means to cause to escape. And then there's halas, which means to draw out. And then there is Yeshua, which means to save. And so when the Bible, the Bible has different words or Hebrew words, root words that it uses in order to talk about the subject of deliverance. And, but why? Because it's established. Because God won't, there's something about deliverance that God wants you to know. Because the deliverance of God is earmarked. It has characteristics, brothers and sisters. God's deliverance has characteristics that make it so that you can identify, you will know it's the real deal. When God delivers, oh no, it ain't, it's not a knockoff. It ain't no pretender. It ain't no counterfeit. None of that kind of stuff. When God delivers you from something, let me just tell you right now, you are delivered. You are absolutely, unequivocally, you are delivered when God does it. And But when God does it, it's got all the earmarks of God. And I love God for that. There Now, there are several key Hebrew words in the scripture, Okay. 
that use that the scripture uses, God uses to help describe God's redemptive activity. Okay. Because when you start talking about deliverance, there are some words that you can kind of use in substitution. You can use uh, redemption is another word. You can use salvation. Okay. These are words that you can use in place. So when the Bible starts talking about or deliverance, it doesn't always talk about it using that word. Sometimes you're going to see salvation. Sometimes you're going to see redemption or being redeemed or something that you're going to something along those lines. Okay. Um, when the Bible is using that language, the Bible is talking about deliverance. Okay. It's just using God's just using a different way of going about it. Now, the usage of deliverance focuses primarily on God's removal, okay, of those who are in the midst of trouble or danger. So when God is delivering, okay, when God delivers you from something, one characteristic of God's deliver, deliverance is that he takes you out of something, okay? He takes you out of something when God delivers. Now, what God takes you out of might not necessarily all, doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It can also be spiritual. But whether it's spiritual or physical, when God delivers, he literally takes you out of something. If it's natural, then it'll be a physical thing that you can point to. But if it's spiritual, okay, it may be, or, 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 or emotional, could even be in that as well, then obviously there won't be the physical signs, but there will be those internal signs, those changes that happen on the inside, the changes that are reflected by a new walk and a new talk, a new way of seeing things, a new outlook. That's deliverance. And, and that's, those are all different forms of deliverance. Now, in the Old Testament, if, if, if a conversation came up about deliverance, then in the Old Testament, that conversation will most likely be from the perspective of deliverance from temporal or natural dangers, okay? So if, it, if, 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 if you were to pretend that you were, were back in the Bible days and the subject of, um, especially the Old Testament days, and we were talking about deliverance, then, then the, the flavor that that conversation would probably take on um, or the perspective from which that conversation would be initiated would usually be from the, from the perspective of deliverance from earthly dangers, okay? And, and, and that's important. Why? Because the Bible teaches us, okay, that God will absolutely rescue his people. When you're talking about deliverance, you are talking about God's ability and God's willingness to absolutely rescue his people. And the Bible teaches us that God will rescue us from who? He'll rescue us from our enemies. In 1 Samuel 17, uh, 37, Bible says, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with you. Look at David talking about the Lord will deliver me. I mean, everybody in the, in the nation is, is, is quaking in their boots when it comes to Goliath, but not David. No, no, David is ready. David understand, had an understanding of God's deliverance. He knew that God would provide that deliverance. And he knew that when deliverance was the order of the day, when deliverance was necessary, man, it don't matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how long the day is. It don't matter how much of a long shot it seems according to the world. When God gets to the business of deliverance, he is going to absolutely get that thing done. God cannot be beat in any situation under any circumstances, and it is his divine prerogative, glory to God, to give deliverance, to give rescue, to provide a way out. I love how God just, just puts it all together in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse uh, number six, verse six, Bible says this, and I will add unto thy days, 15 years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Look at God talking to, to, to Hezekiah and he's, get, he's adding 15, deliverance, 
I'm delivering this city. I'm going to deliver not just the city, but I'm going to deliver you as well. Can I tell you tonight that what God does for one person, God will absolutely do for you? See, God's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. There's no, there's no instance where God is unable to do what you need him to do. The question is, is are you ready for him to do what you need him to do? Because that's usually where we get messed up, is, is that it ain't that God can't save. We're just not ready to be saved. Why? Because many times we want to hold on to our foolishness, our ridiculousness, our bad ways, our bad thoughts, and everything else that is contrary to God. We want to hold on to that as if we're about to miss the, the best part of a movie or something, like it's going out of style. But listen, you can't have this world and God too. It's not going to work. And if, listen, and if you want that deliverance, I'm talking about that real deliverance, the kind that comes from God. I'm talking about the deliverance that you can build a rest, the rest of your life on. The deliverance that will support you through every storm, through every heartache, through every pain. If you want that deliverance, you got to turn from wickedness. You got to stop entertaining this concept that there's some things that are going to be okay and you can get away with. Ain't nothing okay that you can get away with. If it's sin and it's contrary to the word of God, listen, if you want deliverance, you don't have to come out of that. Because God, because God's not going to parlay sin with you. God's not going to come to the negotiating table with you. So if you're thinking that God's going to do that, guess what? You can think again. God's not going to come to the table and negotiate your sins and be like, well, you know what, uh, brother so-and-so, I'm going to, um, you, you know, this one will stick. This one will let go. No, 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 no. The wages of sin is still death. That's all sin doesn't matter what it is. And if you're going to experience that deliverance that God has for us, amen. And it's there for us to have it. We have got to get that deliverance God's way. So there's that natural sense. So God rescues for, you know, God will rescue his people. Okay. God will also rescue you from the hand of the wicked. Psalm 17, 13, arise, O Lord, um, disappoint him cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy, which is thy sword. Amen. God will deliver. God delivers from the wicked. God also will preserve. So not only will God rescue you, rescue you from enemies, rescue you from wicked, but God also preserve you. And, and, and we see different types of God's preservation or preserving of us. In Psalms 33 and 19, we see God's God preserving in the midst of famine. In Psalms 22, 19 through, and through 21, we see God preserving in the midst of, uh, uh, in the, in the midst of death or, or preserving from death. Amen. And then in Psalms 56, 13, we see God uh, we see God preserving from the grave. So we see different areas. And I invite you guys, we're not come, I don't, I'm not going into all of those scriptures, but as I give those scriptures, I want you to read those scriptures, okay? Go over that. That, that give you some good insight. Don't just take my word for it. You ought to be fact-checking everything that I tell you. I can be wrong. I am a man and I am subject to error. But as long as I lead and move by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we gonna get, we can get some things right. But that doesn't mean you should just assume that. Make sure you're checking that word, okay? That's part of Bible study. Amen. Glory to God. Now, the greatest aspect of God's ability to deliver is in, when we look at it in the Old Testament, it's the greatest, his greatest aspect to deliver is seen really in types and shadows, and it's seen in the uh, uh, um, in the example of the Exodus. Okay, because through the Exodus um, or the Exodus of of Israel, um, Exodus three and eight, the Bible says this, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land in unto a good land. And a large, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The in the in the types and shadow of the Exodus. Okay, all right. Um, Old test, which are really Old Testament symbols. So, and within these Old Testament symbols resides what is known as prophecy some symbols so we have 
we have prophecy in the scripture, okay? Full-blown prophecy. You got a prophet and he's prophesying, all right? But then you also have prophecy that is that comes forth forward in the form of types and shadows. Types and shadows are a form of prophecy, okay? They and they 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 through these types and shadows or through these events you see or are able to see, or they are, or a better way of saying it, they are the foretelling or foreshadowing of things to come. That's prophetic, okay? So the greatest Old Testament example of deliverance is seen in the Exodus because the promise through the Exodus, what we see, the promise that God can and will deliver his people from sin and its consequences. That is what the Exodus represents or what it shows. That's the, that's the kind of the prophetic message that underlines or runs throughout the story of the Exodus. What you are seeing when you read the story of the Exodus, you are seeing a prophecy. You are seeing a foretelling that God can and will deliver his people from sin and its consequences. That's what you're looking at when you read the story of the Exodus. We don't always uh, categorize it like that. And we don't always take a step back and look at it from a big picture perspective. We're usually uh, more zeroed in to some of the specifics. But when you take a step back, when, at, when it comes to the Exodus and you look at it from a big picture, take it all in, there is a prophetic story that is being woven throughout the Exodus, right? And what that is, is that story of deliverance, amen. All these things seen in the Old Testament, they help build a picture. What picture do they believe? build? They build a picture of God as the deliverer. Remember I told you, when the Bible old, when the Bible deals with deliverance, doesn't just deliver with deal with the deliverance, but it also deals with the mode or the method, okay, that or the agent of that deliverance. God is the agent of that deliverance. Amen. God is the deliverer, and He's able to deliver all mankind uh, from all fears, from all sin, and all unrighteousness. Amen. Now, when you move to the New Testament, the New Testament establishes the same thing, okay? It establishes the same thing, but it, but it builds, and, but it adds on to it, begins to add a little bit more um, to it, okay? There are different words in the, in the Old Testament that are used, um, words that represent or, you, you know, or, or that are used to describe the deliverance of God's uh, people. And we see that in Matthew 5, 25 and Matthew 18, 34. And we even see it in Matthew 20 and uh, 19, okay? We, can, we also see that as in the Old Testament, deliverance could also refer to natural things. So like you've given somebody some, a book or some money or something like that. We, we, we see that also uh, in the area of goods. You see that in Matthew 25, verse uh, 14. So you see an example of goods being given from one person to another. So there's the natural sense, even in the New Testament, okay? Follows the same pattern, okay? Jesus uses the word um, as a, Jesus uses this word as a prophecy of his death at the hands of the chief priests and Gentiles. When you look at Matthew um, 20 and 18, behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the son of man shall be betrayed and the chief priests and unto, and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death. Talking about and what he's referring to is that he's going to be delivered unto these people. Okay, so we have that natural sense. The, the natural sense also um, does moves from just moves beyond physical things, okay? Or someone being delivered into the care or into the hands of someone else, but it also, covers traditions and doctrine, okay? Look at Mark 17, 13, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have what? Delivered. And many such like things do ye. 
traditions and doctrines and all of these different things, okay? Look at Acts 6 and 14. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses, what? Delivered unto us. So the word deliverance, when we start dealing with that, not only does it deal with those high level natural things, but it even can cover, uh, it even can cover or deal with um, the delivering of traditions or doctrines. Amen. Okay. You also have other words that, that represent rescue, that mean rescue and other words that mean to take out of. Okay. So as you can see, it follows in line with what we have in the Old Testament, but it actually builds onto it because it adds a few more things in which you begin to see this word deliverance um, applied to. Okay. First is that natural sense, but the second usage of deliverance, Okay, just as there are two two primary uh, usages of deliverance in the Old Testament, you got the same thing in the New Testament, and this is important. The second usage of deliverance is seen in the occurrence of several Greek words. Now, these words are used most often in the New Testament, okay, and they're used to reflect an idea. The idea that they are used to reflect is that of deliverance from danger or distress. When the Bible uses that, two important things to keep in mind. Number one, in the usage, and when God uses it in that way, God is always the subject and his people, number two, are always the object of the deliverance. So it don't guide, so, 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 so it ain't no God delivering angels or God delivering, you know, dogs and cats and all. No, 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 no. When you deal with that here in the scripture, when God talks about the word, the, the, the most often when the script, the, when we look at the most often used words um, to convey deliverance in the New Testament, it's always from the perspective of God delivering his people. And it's always God as the deliverer. And that's something that you want to keep, you want to keep in mind. Okay. See, things to know about deliverance. Let's talk about some things to know about deliverance. Glory to God. Number one, you need to know this. God promises deliverance. Jeremiah 15 and 11. I hope you got your Bibles and you're still, you're still with me. You're still turning uh, through the scripture. God promises deliverance. The Bible says, the Lord said, verily, I, ver the, the Lord said, verily, it shall be with thy remnant, verily, I will cause the, the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil and in the time of affliction. Look at what he's saying. Verily, it shall be well with the remnant. Verily, I will cause the enemy to entreat thee will, well in the time of evil. That means do right by you. That means they're going to treat you good. That means that 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 means that and and and, and that, that's a Bible study in and of itself because we usually we're 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 used to talking about the enemy from the perspective of them mistreating us. But but Jeremiah fifteen eleven says God will cause the enemy to treat you right. That now 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 that ought to be 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 very humbling because what that means is that some of us need to stop. You know what I'm saying? You, it's listen. Why don't you try praying for your enemies? Okay. Instead of being so focused on what they're doing and how they're treating you wrong and this, that, and the other, I want to tell you something. God reserves the right to change hearts. He changed yours. That's why you're his right now because he changed your heart. He took that heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. God changed your heart. And if God can do it for you, can't God do it for somebody else? Cannot God do it? Well, Jeremiah says, absolutely, God can. What else do we need to know about deliverance? Uh, another thing to know about deliverance is that God wants us to pray for deliverance. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Bible says this in dealing with the Lord's prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Look at that. Jesus telling them the disciples want to know how to pray. And here comes Jesus telling them, and he adds this part in. And when you're praying, you've got to say, and lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. Amen. God wants you to pray for deliverance. The, 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 the devil wants you to think you stuck. The devil wants you to think that you ain't going to get out. The devil wants you to think that the game is over. 
But I'm telling you right now, you have got, look, God ain't even got started yet. God wants you to pray for deliverance. The devil wants you to think that you are out on a limb and you out on a raft in the middle of nowhere and that there is no rescue. Now, I admit, if you're looking for some boat and somebody else to come and rescue you, you're going to be waiting for a long time. But if you will call on the name of Jesus, somebody told me he just one prayer away. In fact, you know what? I tried it for myself and I'm here to validate for you that Jesus is one prayer away. Pray for deliverance. Don't just sit there sucking your thumb all talking about, oh, whoa, it's me. Uh-uh, get to that business of being delivered. Don't stay stuck, okay? Let God deliver you, but you got to pray for deliverance. Another thing to know about deliverance is, is that, keep in mind, guess what? Yep, you, deliverance comes from God. Psalm 1850 says this, great deliverance, give it he to his king and show it mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. Amen. Glory to God. God, deliverance comes from God. Number four, there is no deliverance by other gods. Look at 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 33. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And let me just go ahead and tell you, if you read that, that's a rhetorical question. You don't even know. And no, there, there is no other God. There are no other gods. Brothers and sisters, as long as you keep entertaining that you're going to get delivered through your own means or through something else, you about to stay stuck. So as soon as you're ready to be unstuck, then I invite you, I encourage you to change your mind about looking to the looking to everything else for deliverance and start looking to the one true God because he is the only deliverer. Another thing that good thing to know about deliverance is, is that you cannot be delivered from God. In other words, you cannot be delivered out of his hands. There is no escape. Look at Isaiah 43:13. Yea, before the day was, I am he. I love the language of the scripture. Let me just read that again. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it? In other words, what he's saying is when I want to do something, who going to give me permission? In other words, I don't need permission. God don't need permission and he's not going to ask for no permission. God's going to do what he's going to do. Now, the heaviness about this is when, I'm, when I say that you cannot be delivered from God, you mean, what I mean is, is this, if you are engaged in wickedness and you go and you just insist in doing the right thing, you're not going to get out of that. There, there's not going to be a version of this where you're going to get away scot-free. No, 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 no. If you are operating contrary to the word of God, I promise you, God is going to have words with you. I can promise you right now that if you stay in that way, God is going to come knocking on your door. And when he comes knocking on your door, you are going to answer. You're not going to get out of it. You're not going to ghost God. You're not going to hide and be like, 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 like somebody coming up from, from, you know, to knock on your door and solicit or something. And you just pretending like you're not, you know, you ain't going to pretend that you're not there. You're going to show up. As soon as he knock on that door, you're going you're gonna to line up front line and center. So it's better to do what God tells you to do so that you don't get on God's naughty list. Because when you get on God's naughty list, let me just tell you something, that's not a nice place to be. And there is no escape. Once you're on there, you don't get out of it, except you do certain things. And we're going to cover that in a, in a moment. Another thing to know about deliverance is, is that deliverance can be declined. Amen. Look at Matthew 13, 15. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their, <clears throat> and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have, they have closed. Notice what the scripture said, they have closed. Not, not that something closed it, they closed it. Their eyes, have, they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted and I should heal them. Notice what the scripture is saying. The scripture here is talking about deliverance, but he's talking about why people are not delivered. Why? Because their heart has waxed gross, because their ears are dull of hearing, and they have closed their eyes. Do you, listen, do you want deliverance? 
but you but but you're inter, but 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 you don't want to hear the scripture you don't want god's way you don't want to do it that way you're not gonna have no deliverance I'm, I'm here to tell you you're not gonna have no deliverance there ain't no deliverance in that there's none of that when you close your heart when you when your when your when your heart waxes gross it means it gets far away from god it means that other things have got a hold of your heart amen when your ears get dull of hearing that means you're not paying that that don't mean that you just that doesn't that doesn't mean that you your the the your natural audio receptive no that ain't what they're talking about hearing in the bible is synonymous with obedience so when he says their ears are dull of hearing that means you ain't listening and you ain't doing nothing glory to god i'm just putting it right there making it very plain so that you can understand what the scripture is saying and because their eyes they have closed Notice, he didn't say their eyes have closed. He said they have closed, meaning that it was intentional. How long are we going to close our eyes and we're going to let our hearts get attached to the things that are contrary to God's word? How long are we going to refuse to be obedient to what the word of God says? When you do that, know this, that you are declining deliverance. When you do that, that is the equivalent of refusing to be delivered. Amen. Another thing to note is that deliverance from present suffering, and this is a hard one right here, deliverance from present suffering is secondary to obedience to God. Deliverance from present suffering is secondary to obedience to God. Look at Matthew. I want you to turn to chapter 26, and I want you to look at, start at verse 53 and, and, and look at verse 54. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Look at Jesus talking. I got access, is what he's saying. I can call angels at any time. In other words, I can call for deliverance from this present situation. What situation are you talking about? The situation of the cross. See, he, he's, get, he's, he's handling what you and I couldn't handle. He, he's, get, he's, he's paying for sins and paying for crimes that he didn't commit. He's getting, re he's getting ready to deal with the greatest issue. That is the sin issue. And he's telling me, he's putting it all down right now. I got 12,000 legion of angels I can call. Amen. I can call, I can call them at a moment's notice. Notice what he says. Notice how what, what he what he says Pre presently. He says, Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to the Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? What was Jesus saying? I can call for deliverance. I don't want you to make any mistake about that. But there is a time for some deliverance. And there's a time where you've got to go without that deliverance. Something else is more important. What could be more important than present deliverance? Sometimes in some situations, it is obedience. Now, when we talk about this, let me qualify this. We're not talking about from this dealing with salvation. No, no, no. This is for the person who's already been saved. You are living, okay, and something in and 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 life got has gotten busy, and some things have happened, and and you and 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 maybe you're suffering, maybe you're sick, or maybe something is going on. You're already on the Lord's side, so this is not talking about the person who is not on the Lord's side. No, you need to be delivered from your sin, which means you've got to repent of your sin, you've got to be water baptized, you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a whole different thing. This one is dealing with us who are saved. So we who have already gone through that process, amen. The Bible, Jesus said, I can call 12 legions, but rather the scripture must be fulfilled. The reason why I don't, why? Is because what's on the docket, what's necessary right now is obedience. Deliverance from present suffering is secondary to obedience to God. When God tells you to do something, even if it's uncomfortable for you, guess what? You got to deal with that uncomfort. Why? Because obedience is the order. The deliverance gonna come. Don't worry, God got you. God has you. But obedience is what's required at that moment. 
Another thing to notice about deliverance is that deliverance has seasons or it's seasonal. A lot of people, every time something come up, they want God to deliver them quick, fast, and in a hurry. As soon as it come up, oh, this come up, Lord, deliver me. Oh, I don't have this, Lord, deliver me. People, we, we so quick to call for deliverance. But I want you to look at the Gospel of John. I want you to look at chapter 18, and I want you to look at verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. He's talking about deliverance. He said, if I'm from this world, he said, no, 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 no. And, but notice he says, but now is my kingdom. Now, that's a phrase or that's a, that deals with the increment of time, present time. It deals with the present tense. He says, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Not now, not now. Deliverance has seasons, okay? There is a time and a place for everything. There are times where the deliverance does not come as soon as you want it. Why? Because God is bulking you up. God is getting you stronger. God has to allow you to go through some difficult things and not deliver you right away because you got to learn how to stand in the midst of the fire. You've got to know that he can subtract the heat. You've got to know that you're not alone. You have to endure hardness as a good soldier at times. And when it is time for that, then deliverance is going to have to take a back seat and it's going to have to wait. Why? Because God is always, brothers and sisters, going to do what is in your best interest, which means he's going to help you put on some spiritual muscle. He's going to give you some spiritual weights to push. And that means that you're going to have to go through some pain in order to get that gain. But you're going to get that gain because God is with you. Amen. Deliverance, it has seasons or it can be seasonal. Another thing to note is, is that temporary or immediate deliverance. This is for those of, of us who want deliverance quick, fast, in a hurry. And just got to hurry up and be, just, and no matter what comes up, I just want to be delivered. Uh-uh. You don't need to be delivered. You need to overcome. You need to climb that mountain and stop asking God to take that mountain from you. Okay, because the mountain serves a purpose. He didn't say you was going to like the mountain. But you still need that mountain. And you got power over that mountain. You can tell that mountain to be cast. But that's not being delivered. Nuh -uh. That's not being delivered from the mountain. When you use the word to cast that mountain into the sea, that's conquering the mountain. And that's what God is trying to make you into a conqueror. Word tells us we more than conquerors. Amen. Glory to God. Temporary or immediate deliverance can result, and you need to know this, it can result in the forfeiture of perseverance's blessings. There are some blessings that you only get on the other side of persevering. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured. Look at, watch this not accepting deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. They were tortured. They were going through it, put through the ringer. But what did they do? They refused deliverance. No, 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 no. In other words, when the fire started to get hot and, and things started to, to move and life started to speed up and things were no longer the way they wanted it to be, what did they do? Well, they didn't run and they didn't ask to be delivered. No, they soldiered up under that. Are you soldiering up? Are you, are you soldiering up? Are you on the front line? When God calls every soldier front line and center, where are you? Are you somewhere in the barracks? Or have you gone AWOL and just left the battlefield altogether talking about you don't need to deal with this? Brother, the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. Sister, God has you even when you don't think that he does. Temporary or immediate deliverance, trying to hurry up and get out of it, get past it and all this other kind of stuff. There are some times where that can happen, but when you do that, you're throwing away some things. You can't have it all. And there are some blessings that only reside on the other side of perseverance. Amen. Now, God is a deliverer. 
what can he deliver you from? Well, he can deliver you from sin. Galatians 1 and 4, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. He can deliver, he can deliver you from yourself. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He can deliver you from Satan. Luke 13, 16. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham from whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Now, he can even deliver you from Satan's kingdom. Look at Colossians 1, 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He can deliver you from danger. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 37. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto him, David, go, and the Lord be with you. We read that one a little bit earlier. What else can God deliver you from? He can even deliver you from illness. Look at Isaiah 38, 16. O Lord, by these things men live. And in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me. That's healing. And make me to live. That is healing in the face of sickness. What else can he deliver you from? He can deliver, deliver you from trouble or life problems. Look at Psalms 34, 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. He can deliver you from what else? Addiction. Exodus 20 and uh, 2. I am the Lord thy God, who have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Glory to God. Don't matter what kind of inroads the devil think he got on you or grip he got things on you. I'm here to tell you right now, he's going to have to turn you loose in Jesus' name. Don't matter what the devil coming up with. Ain't nobody greater than God. And when God gets to the business of delivering, oh, you're going to get delivered. The question is, is do you want to be delivered? And finally, God can deliver you from your enemies. Second Thessalonians uh, 3 and 2 it says, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. God's given us faith, but some people don't have faith. Well, they got faith to believe in what they want to, but they don't exercise that faith or the ability to have faith. They don't exercise it in God. And so with that, brothers and sisters, that kind of, in a nutshell, covers this, uh, this whole concept of, of deliverance, okay? And, um, and with it, it we, we, have a, we should have a better picture now of deliverance from an Old Testament perspective and from a New Testament perspective. And we should now have something that we can actually take and that we can actually use. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Wow.